to Yo and Yo's podcast. We've had the privilege of advising Michigan businesses for over 95 years, and we want to share our knowledge with you, covering tax, accounting, technology, financial, and advisory topics relevant to you and your business. Yo and Yo's podcast is hosted by industry and subject matter experts, where we go beyond the beans. So if you want to stay in the know about business issues and trends that affect you, then keep listening because this is Everyday Business with Yo and Yo. Hello, I'm your host, Dave Jewell, Principal and Tax Service Line Leader at Yo and Yo. Welcome to this episode of Everyday Business, where we will focus on tax issues affecting your business and personal tax situation. Today we're going to be talking about several new pieces of legislation that were signed into law at the end of 2019. The SECURE Act, which is an acronym for Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement Act, includes sweeping changes for individuals in the areas of required minimum distribution timing, how to handle inherited IRAs, what 529 funds can be used for, and many more things. Additionally, businesses will be impacted with some changes when it comes to establishing and administering retirement plans. Secondly, when the president signed the 2020 Appropriations Bill, it extended a number of tax benefits that either expired in 2018 or were set to expire at the end of 2019. Most of these provisions were only extended through 2020. We will discuss some of the key benefits that were extended, as well as some that were hoped for but were not ultimately included in this legislation. Joining me today to discuss this new legislation and to offer some planning tips is Andrew Matuzak. Andrew is a tax manager in the firm Saginaw office and specializes in individual income tax with a focus on high net worth individuals, estates, and trusts. Andrew, welcome to Everyday Business, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Dave. Andrew, as I laid out in the introduction, we saw two big pieces of legislation signed into law right before Christmas. Let's start with the SECURE Act. In your opinion, what are a few of the major changes that taxpayers will face based on this act? Yeah, the SECURE Act brought several changes that will affect both individuals and employers. For 2020 and beyond, there are a couple of changes that will be most notable for individuals. So the first off, the age in which taxpayers need to take required minimum distributions from their traditional IRAs, 401ks, and other qualified plans increases from age 70 and a half to 72. So this is going to delay required minimum distributions for a handful of our recent retirees for at least a year and a half going forward. Secondly, the age restriction for taxpayers making contributions to their IRAs has been eliminated. So essentially, as long as a taxpayer has earned income, they are able to contribute to an IRA even beyond age 70. Next, uh, the stretch IRA has essentially been eliminated. Prior to the SECURE Act, uh, an individual could take distributions from an inherited IRA over their lifetime. Uh, This was commonly known as a stretch IRA. Now, most beneficiaries of newly inherited IRAs would be required to take out the entire balance of the account within 10 years. However, there are some exceptions to the 10-year distribution requirement. Surviving spouses, minor children, chronically ill individuals, and any other individual that is not more than 10 years younger than the deceased account owner are all not subject to the 10-year requirement. So, an example of the Uh, individual who is not more than 10 years younger than the deceased account owner would be a sibling uh, of the taxpayer or the decedent that is not less than 10 years younger. The SECURE Act also makes it easier for part-time workers to be eligible to contribute to their employer's retirement plan. 
so part-time workers that work at least 500 hours per year for three consecutive years and are at least 21 years of age would be eligible to make contributions to their employer's retirement plan if they offer one. Uh, and lastly, um, for individuals, the act makes it easier for college gradu graduates to pay off their student loans. So up to $10,000 of 529 plan funds may now be used to pay down student loan debt. Um, and all of the funds used will retain their tax-free treatment. Okay, lots of good info there. Uh, let's just jump back and, and flesh this out a little bit further. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of changes here that are going to have a significant impact on some of our listeners. So when are these changes effective? What happens if someone turns 70 and a half in 2019, uh, even though obviously they're not 72 yet? Is there any way that they can fall underneath these new rules or what does that timing look like? So most of the rule changes go into effect as of January 1st of 2020. Uh, for the RMD requirements, specifically if you turned 60 or 70 and a half prior to the end of 2019, you would fall under the old rules and would be subject to take out your requirement minimum distribution for 2019. Uh, fortunately, if you haven't done that already, there is still time for you to take out a 2019 distribution as of, you just have to do it before April 1st of 2020. Okay, good information. So what about stretch IRAs? I assume that that's going to be somewhat similar, but if someone inherited an IRA from a decedent who passed away in 2019, does that fall under the old rules or the new? Those would still fall under the old rules. It's very similar to the RMD requirements for someone who is still living. Um, the any, any deceased employee or IRA owner, um, if they passed away prior to the end of 2019, whoever inherits their accounts would be would fall under the old rules and be able to stretch distributions out over their lifetime. For anyone that passes away after 1-1 of 2020 or 12-31 of 19, they would fall under the new SECURE Act rules and they would have to take out the entire balance of their inherited IRA within 10 years, unless they fall into one of the accepted categories we discussed previously. Okay, great. Thanks for clarifying that. Let's shift gears then over to the appropriations bill that included many tax benefits that were extended through 2020 or brought back after a one-year hiatus in 2019. As I look through the list of things that are extended, there seems to be a lot of specialized provisions in there that probably wouldn't impact a ton of our listeners, but there's a handful that I think are very applicable that everyone should know about. So what are some of those key deductions or credits that were extended that our listening audience needs to know about? So we'll talk about some of the provisions that were extended for individuals first. Um, that would be the tuition and fees deduction. That was actually retroactively extended, so it would be in effect for tax years 2018, 2019, and 2020. Uh, the tuition and fees deduction allows, um, it's a deduction up to $4,000 um, for a taxpayer with qualified tuition and re related expenses. Uh, the second uh, would be the AGI limitation for qualified medical expenses was, um, will remain at 7.5%. Originally, before this bill, the AGI limitation was set to increase to 10% for all taxpayers. That will remain at 7.5%. Uh, for 2019 and 2020. And then finally, for homeowners, uh, the debt forgiveness on qualified principal residents uh, will continue to be non-taxable up to a limit of $2 million per residence. And the deductibility of mortgage interest premiums has been extended for tax years 2019 and 2020 as well. Okay, great. So those are things that we see on quite a few returns, uh, especially tuition and fees deduction. It seems like we're trying to balance that and figure out whether it's most beneficial for a taxpayer to take the tuition and fees deduction or the American Opportunity Tax Credit or lifetime learning. So 
that kind of brings that deduction back into the mix for some folks that that might provide the most benefit to. And then also on the medical, although, you know, it's harder and harder for people to itemize now, it seems like with the higher standard deduction, but That's right. for those folks that do have higher medical costs, I mean, especially people that possibly are in retirement or they have a, an accident or something in a given year, it seems like this just opens up the opportunity for more, for more people to uh, take advantage of that medical deduction. Absolutely. Okay, good. Uh, are there any other planning ideas or strategies that would help taxpayers get the most out of these provisions? Do you have any examples or, or things that uh, just pockets of people that this might impact the most? Another strategy that you could utilize, and this would be prior to someone's passing, uh, would be to leave your qualified retirement accounts to a beneficiary that would fall under one of the exceptions that we discussed previously. So they could retain that stretch IRA function um, after your passing. Um, if you have other beneficiaries and want to keep everything even or in a certain uh, distribution pattern, um, you could always leave other assets to those other in individuals that you aren't leaving with the inherited IRA. So you could make everything even in that situation. Um, IRAs and other qualified plans that are currently set up to go into trust will also need to be reviewed to ensure that the goals of your estate plan are being met and you are fully aware of the tax consequences as they pertain to the new laws. And this is something you would want to review with your estate planning attorney and your CPA. Okay, great. I especially, that's something that I really want to drive home to our listeners too. I love what you said there about considering Roth conversions. We are in historically, we, we're under historically low tax rates right now. Yes. And so for a married filing joint couple in on your 2019 tax return, you can have taxable income upwards of $321,000 and still be only in a 24% marginal tax bracket. Yeah. Just with uh, the climate of the country right now. I mean, we're hearing a lot in an election season about how to fund different programs. Taxes may or may not go up, but some people are saying that taxes will have to go up certain candidates. And so while we're in these low rates, while we, while we have these low rates, I think it's just something that needs to be considered is, is the Roth conversion. Um, it avoids RMDs. It provides for, it, it translates into tax-free money down the road. So uh, it's something that I think every taxpayer should consider and do some planning around with their tax professional. Absolutely. There are some tax credits that are now available because of the SECURE Act as well uh, in regards to retirement plans for small businesses. Uh, for those small businesses that would like to set up a retirement plan, if they set up a 401k or simple IRA, uh, they are able to take a um, tax credit uh, for setting up that those types of plans. Also, uh, if they auto-enroll their employees into their existing plan, they are also available for a tax credit up to $500 uh, for the next three years as well. So those are some of the changes in regards to the SECURE Act. All right, that's great information with regard to what the SECURE Act and, and the extenders included in them. Now let's talk about a couple of the things that didn't make the cut and that were not part of either one of these acts. Uh, going back to tax reform, when that first came into place, there was a new $10,000 SALT limitation that was placed on itemized deductions. So for example, if somebody had $8,000 of property taxes and then paid $10,000 of state income tax, where they normally would have had an $18,000 deduction on their Schedule A, that turned into a hard cap of $10,000. Obviously that wasn't very popular for a lot of people, especially those people in high income tax states. 
Uh, and then a lot of the people in high income tax states also pay a lot in property taxes. And so that was kind of a, a double whammy there for them. Uh, also, some folks who are in different trades or businesses uh, where their employers don't fully reimburse their expenses and they were able to deduct unreimbursed employee expenses that exceeded 2% of their adjusted gross income. That got nixed as part of tax reform. Did either one of these come back? Is there anything that either of those groups of people have to look forward to in either one of these bills? I wish I had a better answer, but and the short answer is no. Uh, neither of these provisions got extended with the new senders bill. Uh, the hard cap $10,000 limit for SALT deductions is still in effect and you are no longer or you're still not able to take any unreimbursed employee expenses as itemized deductions for 2020 or beyond. Okay. Those were a couple of the provisions or a couple of the cuts in tax reform that impacted my client base uh, the most and places where my clients felt it in the pocketbook a little bit. So uh, I guess no luck. We can't have, uh, can't have our cake and eat it too, but no, that's okay. All right, well, Andrew, I really appreciate you joining me today, and thank you for all your insight on the SECURE Act and on the extenders bill. And if you're interested in learning more about this new legislation that was signed into law on December 20th of 2019, visit yoandyo.com, where you can find a copy of our show notes and additional resources. Thank you to everyone who joined us today. I'm Dave Jewell, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Everyday Business with Yo and Yo. Thank you for tuning in to Yo and Yo's Everyday Business Podcast. Yo and Yo's podcast can be listened to on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and of course, our website. Please subscribe, rate, and review. For more business insights, visit our resource center at yoandyo.com and be sure to subscribe to our newsletters. We'll talk to you next time on Yo and Yo's Everyday Business Podcast. The information provided in this podcast is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the podcast reflect the views of the speakers. This podcast does not constitute tax, accounting, legal, or other business advice or an advisor-client relationship. Before making any decision or taking action, you should consult with a professional regarding your specific circumstances.